Thank you, Lord. Thank you for bringing us all together. Thank you for everyone that is here today. Uh, thank you for the work that you are doing uh, among us. Um, we, uh, we thank you for the move of your Holy Spirit and for the things that you're encouraging uh, within our body. Open our hearts, Lord, as we hear from your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. I, I really enjoy reading. I, I like when I was just a little kid. And of course, for me, usually it's listening. Usually it's not physical reading. I'd have been better off if I'd done more of that. I had to admit that uh, recently. Uh, I was, uh, it's still more efficient for me to, to get things through audio than, than through Braille. But those teachers that kept trying to force me to read Braille were right. I had hated to admit that, but they were right. <laughs> it would have helped me quite a bit, it, uh, especially now that I'm reading things from the pulpit if I had, uh, if I'd been a little bit more proficient. But I still call it reading and I, I love, have had a love for it all of my life. Uh, from the first time I got my first Library of Congress record player when I was like three years old. And one of the things that I've started reading in recent years, don't still don't go looking for it, uh, but I found some authors that write it really well, and I enjoy those authors, and that's the, that's legal fiction. Uh, Robert Whitlow is one of them that just writes uh, really well-written stuff. But it's uh, you know it's the whole thing with lawyers and courts and witnesses and so forth. Uh, but it's just really well done, so I enjoy it, even though that's not something I normally go and look for. But we're all familiar with the setup, right? We, uh, we, the, we the, the judge and the jury and the, the, the prosecution and the defense and, of course, the lawyers. And then you have key to any trial, right, are witnesses, Often in real world trials, you know, they are uh, supposedly we're about the truth, but often what comes out is uh, just about as fiction as anything that uh, you might read in a book. But the purpose is supposed to be uh, to get to the truth. And what is a witness supposed to do? A witness, if he's if he or she is a good witness is supposed to report something that he sees or at least something that he thinks is, is the truth. Well, we're, there, the, the idea is that the, you, know, you, you swear when you get up there, right, to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And we call this a testimony when you do it in court. In, uh, in what I like to call Christianese, though, we, we use that term. And what is it that we mean when we talk about testifying in, in church? It's, it's something we, know, we sometimes also equate uh, witnessing with, with evangelism. Why is that? Because we're, we're testifying. What is it that we're testifying to? We're testifying to our witness of what God has done in our lives. 
And so in that sense, we're a witness. So we're, that's where we get the, the term, which must seem really strange to somebody who's not been raised in, in, in with all the church te- technology or terminology. You're witnessing. Well, what are you witnessing? You, you're going to go find something somewhere to witness so you can be a witness? No, we are, we are witnesses to what the Lord has done. Amen. And Jesus is the one that we witness. Very few of us, if any, are likely, at least while we live on this earth, eventually we're all going to get to see him. But while we're here, most of us aren't going to see him physically while we're here. Unless we happen to be around when he comes back, which sure does look like it might be possible. But we testify to the things that he's done for us. We are testifying to the truth. So is our testimony true? We're going to be back in John chapter 5. We're going to finish it up today. Uh, Just going to read for about 10 verses, but then we'll kind of talk about the rest and wrap it up. But the context, of course, is this uh, speech that Jesus gives, sermon, if you will, uh, whatever you want to call it, this this monologue, after he has healed the man at Bethesda, and the... uh, Jews are upset with him. The Jewish leaders are upset with him because he, he did this on the Sabbath day. And not only that, he's claiming that he did it uh, by, by means of the Father's power and in fact made himself one with the Father in the things that he said. Made himself equal to God. So now they're ready to, they're ready to take him out. But Jesus has been teaching. He said that he does only what the Father does. Uh, that the Father loves him and shows him everything that he's doing. And you're going to see even greater things than what you've seen so far. That judgment has been given to the Son. That he decides between life and death. And that if we desire to honor the Father, we honor the Son. And now, he goes a step further and he reveals his witnesses. The, 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 the backing to his claim, if you will. If you're not going to believe me, here's some other, here, here, here are the reasons why you should. He, he has his own word, which he's going to say something kind of strange about. We'll get to that in a minute. He's John the Baptist, the works that he did, the Father himself, and the scripture. And so now he's speaking very plainly to those who ought to have known and yet have rejected him. So we're just going to read from uh, 31 to 40 and then kind of talk through it. Uh, Chapter 5, 31 through 40. If I alone testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies about me. And I know that the testimony which he gives about me is true. You have sent messengers to John, and he has testified to the truth. But the testimony I receive is not from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a lamp and was burning and shining, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. 
But the testimony I have is greater than the testimony of John. For the works which the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I do testify about me. The, the, that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me, he has testified about me. You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his form. Also, you do not have his word remaining in you, because you do not believe him whom he sent. You examine the scriptures because you think, that in them you have eternal life. And it is those very scriptures that testify about me. And yet, you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. So he now offers these four testimonies. And he starts out by saying, well, if, if I'm just talking for myself, then, then my testimony is not true. Now, what is he saying there? Because obviously Jesus is not going to say anything that's not true. And in fact, in another place, he says exactly the opposite. Over in uh, chapter 8, verse 14, he says, uh, even though I'm testifying for myself, it's true. So what's he saying here? He's referring to the law and, and to the, the, the statement in the law that it takes the testimony of at least two witnesses to confirm a thing. And there are several different places that it says that. that uh, and, of course, it has to do with legal proceedings and, and somebody being accused of something. Uh, but the general principle holds that it's got to be more than one person before you're going to take action on it, before you're going to change somebody's life or do something to somebody, you've got to have at least two witnesses to confirm that that's really, that really what is what happened. So he's drawing on that legal precedent to say, okay, by, your, by the law, if I'm saying this and I'm the only one saying it, you can say it's not true. But here I've got somebody else. And it's a question mark here in verse 32 as to whether he's referring to John the Baptist or whether he's referring to uh, Father God. And certainly it is true that the Father God is in well woven in through all of this. But then the next couple of verses he talks about John the Baptist. So you could read that either way. It's true either way. But then he's going to talk in the next three verses about John the Baptist. And he says that John testified to the truth. He always did. His mission, his whole point, was to point to Jesus. But then Jesus says something else. He says, no man can, he essentially said, I, I paraphrase this, but no man can change the truth. Whatever John said, even if John had recanted, and in fact we read later on uh, in, in the other Gospels that he, had, he, he started to question. I mean, here he was locked up in prison, and so he sent his disciples to say, are, are you really the one? 
He'd gotten maybe a little bit discouraged. But that didn't change the truth about who Jesus was. John had the respect of the people, though, at this time. And Jesus desires that they believe what he is telling them. And so he says, I'm telling you this so that you'll be saved. Believe, you know, believe what he said. You were willing to listen to him for a while. Believe what he said. I'm the one he was talking about. John had a following. Uh, people were coming from all over to hear him. And they were being baptized as a symbol of their repentance. They respected him, but apparently they didn't really believe him because they didn't change their action. And when, when the very person that he's talking about comes on the scene, they're not willing to believe him. Some of them did, though. And we read earlier in the book of John how they stopped following John and started following Jesus. But then he says, you know, that's... That's not where that's not where I get my validation from anyway. I don't get it from I don't get it from man. And he goes on to talk about the works that he's done. The works that were given to him by the Father. The works prove his words. They prove that he is indeed the Messiah. As it says in in 10:25, it's it, they prove that he is one with the Father, as he says plainly in 1038, and again in 1411. His works were foretold by the Scripture, and they were done not to glorify himself alone, but to glorify the Father in heaven. They were purposed to show that he was sent by the Father. Everything that he did had a purpose. It wasn't, of course, obviously they, he wants to draw people to him, but not for his own sake, really, for the Father's sake and for their sake. Right. So then in 37 and 38, he talks about the witness of the Father. Now, really, all, of the, all the Father's all through this, because the Father's directing all of this. This was all God's plan from the beginning. But did the Father, in fact, uh, speak at any point in this process? Well, uh, there, there was a voice from heaven at one point, but he spoke through the angels. He spoke through the angels to, to Zechariah and to Mary. He spoke uh, to the shepherds also through angels. He spoke to particular individuals. He spoke to Joseph, the husband of Mary, uh, he spoke to the people in the temple there that uh, had been told had been told by the Holy Spirit that they were going to get to see the Messiah uh, before before they passed along. Uh, John the Baptist saw the, the the dove come down, and in fact there was a voice from heaven: "This is my beloved Son, and where whom I am well pleased." So yes, the testimony of the Father is there; it's recorded. And of course, through the scripture. And then, then he goes on. Now it sounds kind of like a criticism. You know, you haven't seen, you haven't seen him. You haven't heard his voice. Now the interesting thing about that is, Jesus. No one had. 
John says several times himself, nobody's seen God at any time. And yet Jesus was also going to say that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He says that in chapter 14 of John. But yet, as he says in another place, quoting from Isaiah in Matthew chapter 13, seeing they did not see, and hearing they did not hear. And he said then, you don't have his word abiding in you. If they, if, if they did, then they would believe. They knew the scrolls. From the earliest age, they had been taught, they had been taught to memorize the scripture. But the words didn't penetrate their hearts. Now, is that really so different from us today? The scripture, now uh, he goes on to speak directly in verses 39 through 40 of, of, of the scripture. And they believed the scripture. They believed it was the key. But they missed the fact that Jesus was the door. Like he said in, in John 10, uh, 10, 7. And not only would they not enter, they were keeping other people from entering as well. Like he said in 20, uh, Matthew 23, 13. And so now he goes on, and we didn't put this part up on the, uh, but if you read on from chapter, uh, from 41, rather, verse 41, You, uh, he, he will say, you know, man is not the source of, of my glory. But you don't have the love of God in you, he says. Because you, you value the opinion of man more than the truth of God. If somebody else comes proclaiming their own proclaiming based on, on, on their own uh, credentials, you, you'll accept them. But you don't accept the one that, that, that uh, your very scriptures tell you about. They did not believe the scripture. And so they, wouldn't, they weren't going to believe him either because the scripture told about him. They said they believed it, but they didn't understand it. the very scripture in which they claim to trust would actually provide the judgment. So what do we do with this? I always like to bring it home. How can we, how can we apply the things that we read? Jesus has shown us who he is. The word made flesh as it says in John chapter 1, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That is to say, the ultimate and final sacrifice. His lifeblood gave us life. He took our place. The Son of God, the very person of God, one with the Father, and yes, the judge, 
having the power of life and death in his hand, and yet having paid the debt with his own life. We are judged righteous because of what he did. Those who refuse the gift will get what we're all doing. But all we do, but if we have given ourselves over to him, he's paid the price. He's made us righteous. And there are witnesses and there is evidence. We find more and more of it every day. Jesus backed up his claims through his own testimony, through the testimony of John the Baptist, through the testimony of the works that he performed, and through the testimony of the scriptures, and through the testimony of the Father. We can now add the testimony that was given to us through this that we're reading today, this New Testament. That's what we even call it that. And we can add to it the testimony of our own lives, the things that Jesus has done for us, the transformation that has happened in our own lives because he came in and made that change. Can I get a witness? Amen. Amen. A witness testifies of what he has seen and what he knows to be true or what she has seen or what she knows to be true. Everything, anything else would be considered false testimony, would it not? Right. And so we have the warning. Jesus was speaking here to very religious people. They believed they were serving God. They knew the scripture inside and out. And they kept the law meticulously. Even made up a bunch of extra rules so they could make sure that they there was no way they could break the law. They thought that was their way to, to salvation. But they missed the whole point. Uh, we may be considered religious people. We attend church regularly. Uh, we try to avoid at least the really bad sins. We place value on the Bible and we know at least parts of it. We live by a set of rules that we think are, are, are the right thing to do. And sometimes we mess up and sometimes we don't follow them so well, but, but we try. And we call ourselves Christians, that is, followers of Christ. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, do we? Who gets the glory? The people liked to hear John. Some of them actually believed what he said, but a lot of them didn't. He had, we have in today, 
Lots of star preachers, probably more than we've ever had, because it's so easy now for anybody to be heard. And many of them are, are telling, many of them are preaching the truth. Many of them are truly false teachers. After all, and we're all imperfect. We're all going to have areas where we mess up. That's why any good, good preacher is going to tell you, check me out with the word. Right. We can respect and learn from them despite the fact that they may not be perfect. That's something that took me a while to learn. I'd hear somebody say something and well, can't listen to him anymore. He is totally messed up. No, not necessarily. In fact, you might be the one that's messed up. But in any case, uh, just because somebody got something wrong doesn't mean that you, know, you, you completely turn them off. I mean, obviously, if they, you know, uh, obviously uh, teaching against the core principles of the word, you've got a problem. But so much of what we get divided over and get uh, crossways of each other over is just misinterpret, or, or I'm not going to say it that way, uh, different interpretations of what we're reading. And that's not to say that one of them is not true and one of them is not false, or maybe both of them are false. But uh, just to say that some things matter more than others. And we ought to be able to make a distinction between the things that matter and the things that are a matter of opinion. And a primary source, always God's Word. And also the witness of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. If we will learn to listen, he'll show us the difference. He'll show us, uh, Jesus said he will guide you into all truth. But we have to listen. We have to be ready and willing to hear. And he said they'll be known by their fruits. So that's another way that you can tell What's going on? Not only in a person's life, but also that uh, also when you're uh, when you're hearing somebody uh, that that's popular. What's going on in their? It, what happened? What's going on with their ministry? Really, are they glorifying God or are they glorifying themselves? If they're glorifying themselves, chances are you got a problem there. And it's real hard to not to do that when you know when you start getting a little notoriety. And your name becomes a thing that you can promote and, 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 and gain more following and gain more, uh, gain more resources. But always, we want to be focused on giving God the glory. Is God glorified? Testify to the truth. Jesus is the truth. The way, the truth, and the life. What will our witness say? What is the testimony, not only of our mouth, but of our life? What will people say about you? But even more importantly, most importantly, what will Jesus say about you? I know what I want to hear when I get to heaven. Well done, good and faithful servant. Nothing else really matters. Amen. So let us testify to the truth. The truth that we know and the truth that we've seen. Thank you, Lord.
You are the way, the truth, and the life. And you have shown it to us. You've given us the witness of your word, of your Holy Spirit, of all of those who have gone before, who have have paved the way, on on whose shoulders we stand as we meet here today uh, and, and take advantage of all this all of this knowledge that has been given to us. Let us hear your voice, though, Lord. Let us hear your voice above all. Let us listen to what you have to say. And let us go out there and share it with a world that badly needs it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.